0: Hello and welcome to an 1865 podcast special in which we celebrate Forrest getting into Wembley for the first time in, in almost 30 years. My name is Rich Ferraro and in today's podcast we will be having a more considered look back at the playoff semi-final matches against Sheffield United and we will be reflecting a little bit upon the pitch invasion and the consequences. Naturally, we'll also be looking forward to our big day out against Huddersfield and we'll be hearing from both Sheffield United fan and a Huddersfield fan to reflect and look forward. Now, let's introduce our panel with a question. So if you can give us just in a sentence, panel, are you feeling confident? Let's start with Stephen Topless. I'm feeling quietly confident. OK, Maradon of the Midlands. Never not even a sentence required and baz yes <laughs> just just about OK, and this might be a good time to say hello to occasional contributor to this podcast, Nick Miller, who, having watched the Sunderland match, then posted on Twitter saying I'm getting pre-traumatic stress disorder from watching this. So, <laughs> uh, And congratulations to Sunderland, by the way. I hope we're not playing you next season. So while we try and uh, get a grip of ourselves, we're going to hear from a Blades fan with some considered thoughts on the two playoff semifinals.
1: Hi there, my name's Hal from the YouTube channel Chef United Way. I just want to first begin by saying congratulations to Nottingham Forest and the vast majority of Forest fans that I know, and having spent a lot of time you know, in university near the area, uh, all the Forest fans I know are genuinely good people. I think that was reflected in how much money was raised for uh, Billy Sharp's charitable foundation. So just hats off, and, and I do not want one... Horrible incident at the end of the game to reflect a very decent fan base. So just wanted to get that out there from the start. Also, very much hope you enjoyed the other night and that you look forward to a wonderful day out at Wembley. We've had our fair share, you know, nine times now in the playoffs. We've been to Wembley a lot and we've only ever lost. So I hope you have a very different experience. I want Sheffield United to have lost to the best. So I hope that Forrest get promotion. You deserve to be in the Premier League. Forrest, a founding member of the Premiership, and I believe top-flight club with a wonderful, wonderful history. I actually live quite close to Stuart Pearce and I often see him on my uh, walks on the Phoenix Trail. So, uh, Psycho and myself, I'd like to say we're now on first-name terms because I've seen him that many times and he yeah, really, really... Nice chap. But looking back at that game, uh, you know, a horrible game for a Sheffield United fan and Forest fan, I would imagine. Lots of nail-biting at times end-to-end, at other times very much dominated by the Blades, but it just wasn't to be for United. And I think over the piece, even though we won on the night 2-1, our first ever second leg away playoff win in 90 minutes, I actually never really felt confident that we were going to win that game. And that's probably just my... My bladiness, you know, supporting United as long as I have since 1982. I know that you get a certain feeling, and I just never felt it. I'm as excited as I got at that second goal, which you can see on YouTube on the watch along. Deep down, I, I think I was pretty much resigned. And certainly when it went to penalties, I, I held very, very little hope. Trying to remain positive, but... I, w- I certainly wasn't surprised that the Forest fans that were telling me beforehand that they were uh, booking their hotels for Wembley were, were quite right to do so. Um, I thought it was a fair outcome over the two legs because Nottingham Forest should have had its own up at Bramwell Lane and really should have scored five goals. So uh, definitely over the piece, Forest deserved it. I think they've been a great side since Steve Cooper took over. Contrasts, you know, you could say, and also similarities between the two sides and getting those new managers in really did change our fortunes. So well done, Forest. Thoroughly deserved. Good luck in that... Playoff final, Huddersfield. We've played them in a playoff final. Never easy, but I hope you have a great day. I hope the weather's kind to you as well. It makes a huge difference. <laughs> and that's something that Brits always talk about. And if, if, of course, for whatever reason, it doesn't end up happening, I think it's really important that we try and stem... The, the aggression that some fans now have between the two sides. I think that rivalry is particularly healthy. And as I say, all the Forest fans I know have been really good, genuine people and raising that money for the the Sharp Foundation, hats off, incredible. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you are celebrating that Wembley and have a wonderful day out. Well done.
0: Thank you very much, Hal, for joining us and contributing those very magnanimous thoughts. And we wish you all the best. Now, Baz... We recorded our match reports on Tuesday night when we just got home after a very, very, very long evening. And um, so we're still a bit raw and obviously we were jubilant, but but emotions are still pretty high. So what did you make of Hal's considered thoughts?
3: First of all, that was really, really nice of him um, in general. He just came across really, really well. Um, I think arguably yeah on balance over the two legs we deserve to go through but it worries me a lot that we should have had it in the bag and we didn't and it took penalties to get there um so yeah it's um we could talk about the pitch invasion and stuff I guess in a bit but yeah on the football side of it yeah we should we should have we shouldn't have had to to go through that in the first place um, and. Um obviously with our playoff history then the fact that we we can we gave away that lead um put me through a lot of anxiety
0: <laughs> yes and and as you mentioned uh in our match report it is it, it was quite a moment that I noticed out of the corner of my eyes commenting to one of my uh non-forest supporting friends and I just said I was sat next to Baz and he, he Ah, just in extra time he just put his hood up and he just hunched down so um all right maradon the midlands you're probably the uh, the least optimistic of of us on this podcast today and i think it's worth reflecting on the fact that i saw someone mention that forest were actually ahead for 155 minutes of the two legs of the of the playoffs so do you think that as baz said do you think it's actually on reflection, just about fair that Forest were probably the better team over the two two matches?
4: Yeah, I think so. Overall, I think we created the better chances, especially in the first leg. Um, the second leg, Sheffield were undoubtedly the better team. They they sort of stopped us playing um, and stopped it from being a football match, which I think was a mistake they made in the first leg. They were sort of buoyed by the confidence of the win against Fulham and thought they could beat us at football, which I don't think many teams can. Not only in this division, but probably division above as well. Um, but yeah, I've been mean, being the pessimistic Boris fan that I am, I I was pretty sure that we'd blown it by not taking all those chances. that last minute goal just capped it off for me. And the first 15 minutes or so, I was very worried because they they were they looked like they were in the mood and we just hadn't turned up. And that that goal settled me down. And then I let I let my optimism gets away, get get away with me, get get away from me. I don't know what's the phrase. I've lost I've lost thought now. But um, so much so that at half time, I was looking on the Huddersfield website to see how how they were doing their Wembley tickets, and uh, then I, I was I was, <laughs> I was I was cursing myself in the second. I was like, "Why, why? I know you can't do this. Why are they looking at how where, how how to get Wembley tickets?" and um, yeah, and I was by the, by, the, by the time they scored the second goal, I was convinced we were going to lose because they were just scoring with such ease. It just, just reminded me of Yeovil and Blackpool, the way they just walked through and scored. <laughs> I was expecting them to turn three or four or five by by the end of the match. So it was a, a very pleasant surprise that we managed to get through.
0: Uh, Stephen, uh, yeah, I mean, Maradon Midlands touched upon something quite apart from his superstition or maybe cursing it. Um Maradon the Midlands touched upon something that was very important and and we talked about at length after the first leg, which was we didn't take advantage of that first leg match. We should have won, you know, by four or five goals, shouldn't we?
5: We should. And when you're now looking towards a final and a one-off game, you need to take your chances because if you don't, a team like Huddersfield will punish you. We've seen that throughout the season. There are a side who hang on in games sometimes but they find a way of winning even when they've not been at their best so from Forest's point of view that first leg at bramwell lane has to be a lesson that we need to take our chances and when the opportunities arise put the game to bed because we don't want to see a repeat of what happened in that second leg where certainly in the second half of the second leg it felt like forest were not in control of the tie anymore up until that point and in spells of the first half of the second leg, we felt like we were in control and the better team, the second leg that all evaporated. And I think that's why as Maradona of the Midlands touched on. It felt like the game was slipping away from us as it has done before against Yeovil against Blackpool in the past, those kind of matches. And yeah, my big concern was when the pressure was on, and suddenly we had a team coming at us with nothing to lose. We, we were all over the place, but thankfully we, we regained ourselves in extra time. I think Sheffield United tired as well, which helped. But I'm hoping that we're a stronger team now for that experience and the way that we came back and the way that we, we got through that semi-final.
3: Because we didn't take our chances in the first leg it and Sheffield United came at us and properly stopped us playing. And I think we mentioned it in the match report, if they had had Billy Sharp on the pitch, or if even if they'd had McBurney on the pitch, then we would have lost that tie in normal time. And that's because... So in, in, in that way, we, we are fortunate to have got through.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk about McBurney being on the pitch a little bit later. Um, there's a slightly different context to that. Now, I'm just going to throw something out there and, and I'll be interested in your thoughts. Although we lost recently against Luton and Bournemouth and we bemoaned the fact that both of those teams kind of shut us down, meant that Forrest ended up playing longer balls and so on. I think the only two matches where we kind of convincingly lost were Middlesbrough and Cardiff. And now hear me out on this one before you before you shut that down. Because against Luton and Bournemouth, if we'd scored we wouldn't have lost and if we'd had decisions we did score at luton and and it was chalked out we probably should have had a penalty at bournemouth and so those things would have added a different complexion to the match and against bournemouth in particular well against luton we conceded a penalty against bournemouth we conceded a late goal where admittedly we switched off now i'm not denying that we got outthought and outplayed in those games but does that give you any hope Maradon, the midlands
4: um, yeah, I suppose, I think that the big pitch at Wembley will help us, um, the two talking of Luton and Bournemouth, they, they both appear to be smaller pictures. I don't know the exact measurements, obviously, but they just come across as smaller pitches. So I think the big pictures or the big picture at Wembley will help us. Um, the, um, it'll be much harder to work and close down for sort of 90 minutes, especially in that atmosphere. Um, I think that, it Yeah, I, I think it does give me optimism, and I think it it will be more of a football match. I think they may they may try for the first half to try and stop us playing, but I don't think they can uh, maintain that for ninety minutes.
0: Okay, and and Stephen, one thing that also occurred to me, you mentioned about how the Blades players, I think after eighty minutes they were a bit knackered, weren't they? And and I think that's why we were able to repel them and and actually for a little period um we we did kind of regain our composure there but thinking about bournemouth and about sheffield united in the second leg i wonder as well actually that premier league experience that the players have you know these are two teams with premier league players premier league management um i think that experience showed against a forest team that is still when we think about it, has got academy players and loanees making up the bulk of the eleven. Yeah,
5: yeah. The the depth that those teams have, and you look at somebody like Sander Berger, who's a Norway international. He costs thirty million pounds. You've got Morgan Gibbs White, who's one of the best players in this division, and probably should be playing in the, the division above. And then Bournemouth with the the Premier League players they still have, and the strengthening that they were able to do with their money in January. Yeah, there's more depth in those squads. And I think there is that, that Premier League experience. But at the same time, we've equipped ourselves well against Premier League sides in the FA Cup this season. Arsenal, Leicester, Liverpool, we gave all of them a good game. Could have even beaten Liverpool on another day with a chance going the other side of the post and an offside decision going another way. So. If, if there are any doubts about Premier League experience in our squad, I, I think we forget about it and just focus on the fact that we've actually performed very well against Premier League sides in knockout football this season. I think that is a massive advantage when it comes to how we approach this game and how the game will play out at Wembley.
0: Baz, on that topic, uh, before we started recording, you were harking back to to the FA Cup run and you are saying about how those were one-off matches. Is it easier if you are a player who's mostly played at academy level and championship bottom half, is it easier to acquit yourself against a Premier League team knowing it's a one-off game and therefore there's nothing to lose than it is in the playoffs where actually having got there, you've got everything to lose?
3: Probably. Um, I think as well, if it's a, a, a one-off game, then you can build it up. And because I think that the, one of the things that say the, the difference between an incredibly talented academy player, like say you, um, Johnson's a bad example because he's, he's actually done this, but say Alex Mighton someone like that who's come through the academy and is just breaking into the first team, the difference between that and someone who's been there and done it is their consistency. But consistency doesn't matter on a one-off game. So that that talent that they, they've got, they just need to make it happen for that 90 minutes. They don't have to worry about what happens afterwards. So I think that could be very, very useful for us. And as you say, as the Maradona of the Midlands says, the bigger pitch as well, I'm sure, is going to help us.
0: Mm. And uh, coming back to you, the Midlands, do you think that in that, you know, Baz was about to talk about Brennan Johnson. In a way, Brennan's going to be in a better position to advise players like, you know, players who are stalwarts of of the Forest team, like your Worrells and McKennas and and Yates's and and even Garners, because although they've played big matches, Brennan's been to Wembley in a playoff final. (laughs) He's been there and done it. Do you think that will help?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think the experience has to help. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know how much advice he'd be able to give the others, but I mean, for his own personal performance, I'm sure having having been there, experiencing nerves before, he can maybe improve on what what went wrong last time. And um, yeah, it's, it's got to help. But I think I think Steve Cooper's so clued in on everything. I think it. I mean, the, the penalties the other night it just it's just a, a prime example of that. That. I think everything will be focused to just preparing them to uh, a perfect level during this week now. And um, I can't imagine there'll be many, many teams who've ever been as well prepared, uh, both mentally and physically, uh, going to a Wembley match as this Forest team will be. Uh,
0: And as you'd mentioned, the penalties, I don't want to dwell too much on it, but two things. Firstly, um, Stephen, as you'd mentioned, Sander Berger, he was the only player who was listed on um, Samba's water bottle who's, penalty kick he didn't manage to save because i didn't see in name on there um i don't think he was expecting him to take one um and then also i want to apologize to joe lolly because i said that it was one of the worst penalties i'd ever seen and actually it looked it was closer than it looked on the night <laughs> um funnily enough when uh when it went to penalty shooter in one of our other whatsapp groups uh one of our mates posted a picture of chris waddle because he said it's pelantes um like he famously said on the radio and put a picture of chris waddle and i said was that in I went back afterwards and said, was that in anticipation of Joe Lolly's penalty, which was pretty much a carbon copy of the Waddle penalty in 1990 for those of uh, those of us who are old enough to remember. Um, but Stephen, I want to take a step away from that just for one second, because obviously you were at the match on Tuesday night. And one of the incidents that we discussed briefly was Heckingbottom when he shoved that ball into Jed Spence's midriff. and do you think that was actually a very clever piece of management, he did that to kind of take the sting out of Forest, and kind of, it was a psychological blow? I think
5: he, he wanted to make it into an ugly game because he saw that that was the only way Sheffield United were going to come back into it. At that point, we'd restored the two-goal lead with Brennan's goal and I think it was slipping away from Sheffield United in that. That first half after we'd scored. So I think he was just desperate and trying to find a way to get the match back on the terms that he wanted. Physical, aggressive. Um, obviously, I think he was quite an aggressive act. I, I think he was quite lucky to have not been sent to the stands. Although I, w- I do wonder if the referee gave the yellow card instead of the red, because if you'd have sent Heckenbottom to the stands amongst all the Forest fans at that point, I don't think he would have uh, would have been in the uh, very welcoming company, shall we say? So um, it was poor from him, but I can understand why he did it. And you could argue that the way they came out in that second half, it worked for them because they it would them up, didn't it? When that when that when that after that happened and that carried them through the second forty five minutes.
0: And Baz, you're nodding your head there. And of course, uh, on in our match report on Tuesday night, we did say that we think that maybe it was Michael Oliver trying to make sure that the referee wasn't at the centre of the story because, you know, Forest win match after Heckingbottom centre stands in first half would have been a very different story than Forest win on penalties, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, I, I also, I think I think I said on in the match report is we, we started chanting, you're just a rubbish Neil Warnock. And I think Heckingbottom's half-time team talk was probably what would Neil Warnock do in this situation and that's exactly what they did to us they did exactly what a worn oxide would do and obviously the blades have got that in them
0: mm. um let's move on because we do need to talk about about pitch invasions and the night before our playoff semi final we saw huddersfield fans uh, run onto the pitch to celebrate but in the process james bree got clouted on the head as an away player who was just lost in the moment of having you know lost his playoff semi final um, that wasn't acceptable. There was a Luton fan and an old chap in the away end who had a coin thrown at him and there's a picture of him with Claret running all the way down his head. That's not acceptable. And Baz and I discussed, and Baz, you were quite upset on Tuesday night because you were saying this is taking the shine off the night, because what should be a great story about a fabulous encounter, a classic playoff semi-final over two legs, has become a story about fans basically acting in a in a thuggish and brutish way. Married on the Midlands, you were not at the match. What did it look and feel like from somebody who was watching from afar?
4: Um initially the I don't think the, the TV people didn't really or the radio and the radio people just sort of describe it as sort of jubilant scenes. It's become almost acceptable now. Um I know we discussed it pre-match and we, we were sort of saying well Hope people don't go on the pitch, but um, and the, and the club had issued that statement saying don't go on the pitch, but they still did. Uh, so but for most for the most part, it was just like a jubilant sort of thing. It wasn't until quite a lot later, sorry, maybe an hour or two later, that um, the Billy Sharp incident sort of uh, came to light, and then it turned, then sort of people were going, Yeah, this is out of order, we shouldn't be doing this, but they shouldn't have been doing it full stop it's it's a really selfish act to do just running onto the pitch it's all it's all about me 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 you're not thinking of the players you're not thinking of the other supporters in the stadium who aren't going onto the pitch um and it's it's just it's just a pure selfish act and it's it should it shouldn't happen it, it, cluffy made it very he made his thoughts very clear about it back in the uh, 90s when he clouted those two fans and nothing's changed since then The pitch is for the players and the referee, nobody else. And you should never go on like that ever again.
0: Stephen, uh, Baz, you wanted to jump in there.
3: Uh, Yeah, I disagree. (laughs) Go on. So you can remember there was a a period of time when the stewards used to come out with that yellow tape Mm -hmm. to stop people getting on the pitch. But we've always had an end of season pitch invasion. What we haven't had is people getting hurt, opposition players getting hit, people getting coins chucked at them that's different and that's not okay but I don't see any problem with with celebrating if you're if you've been through a long hard season and running on the pitch and celebrating that I don't if I know it's illegal and I know you shouldn't do it and I know it's their workplace and all that sort of stuff but we did it for years without anyone getting hurt so whatever the difference is now get rid of that bit and keep the, the 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 celebration
4: that we have done it in the past, but I remember being in the upper tier of the trend ten and booing them when they did it. And the whole everybody else in the upper tiers were booing them. And they were on the people were looking at the pitch shrugging their shoulders, shrug, what, what? And then like there's what well, they're like as though doing uh nothing serious. Um so yeah, I disagree because it stopped the players um showing their appreciation back then and it stopped it again. It's just it's it's black and white. You know it's there's big signs on the side of the pitch saying it is illegal to go onto the playing surface. There was was a guy on TalkSport, a Forest fan, who came on um, after the Billy Sharp thing came. He was was lying through his teeth going, oh, I I had no idea it was illegal to go onto the pitch. I just ran on, just the moment, took over me. And it's not the moment taking over over them. It's a premeditated act. They talk about it before the game. They talk about it during halftime and during the game and they're waiting to go on and it's it's not acceptable. I mean there's there's maybe reason people are talking about drugs and things being involved now but that doesn't make it okay.
0: And I will come back to that in just a second. Um but also married on the Midlands, one of our um friends who uh regular podcast listeners will have heard, Luton fan Ryan, he was in the away end at Huddersfield and he was saying that just like Forest fans experienced at Bournemouth when Bournemouth beat us recently and were celebrating their promotion there's always a, a set of fans who will go and goad the away fans that happened for Forest fans at Bournemouth that happened for uh, Luton fans at Huddersfield that's not okay is it Maradon Midlands
4: no it's not okay it's, 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 it's not cons- jubilation
0: that's goading
4: yeah and there's there's such a thing as being a bad loser but there's a such a thing as being a bad winner too And that's maybe even worse than being a bad loser. And just to do that, it just shows just a really pathetic side of their character and they need to grow up.
0: Stephen, I'm just going to throw out there that Forrest did, as we predicted, put out a statement. Nick Randall, please do not go on the pitch for several reasons. One is we want the fans and the players to be able to celebrate together. And we had to wait 50 minutes for Steve Cooper and then the team to come out. Number two, we want to preserve the playing surface because the team need to train on there. And people ignore that. There were grown men doing knee slides and and belly slides and Klinsman dives on there. And then and then number three, the thing about flares, which they have been talking about for, for ages and pointing out that, you know, there have been flares thrown into the away end. That's not OK. There's a young lad in the main stand who ended up a 10 year old lad who ended up with a flare in his hoodie and was, you know, they had to take evasive action to stop him getting potentially serious burns these are serious issues aren't they Stephen they are and
5: since lockdown I've noticed a real shift in the behavior of some people at football matches people who are going and thinking they can behave how they want and act how they want with no thought or consideration for people around them Um, that you know there'll be people fans there who just want to go and enjoy the game they don't want to then worry about drunken louts throwing flares or causing trouble or throwing bottles, coins, etc. People just want to go and watch the game. And I've noticed these behaviors have crept in more since lockdown. And I don't know if that's people having experienced the last two years feel now they can just go out into the world and do whatever they want and whenever they want. And if it's just a, a wider society issue that, Has also crept into football. But I I just don't know how you can stop it because what happened the other night, in my view, was always going to happen. If Forest were going to win that game, there were always going to be fans that came onto the pitch. People were openly saying it on social media before the game. There were people posting on Forest groups saying, yeah, you know, let's go on the pitch and celebrate when we, you know, if we get through. And some fans were, were jumping on top of that and agreeing. Some were actually disagreeing and saying, well, come on, you know, that it's not for you to go on the pitch. You shouldn't be doing it. It's illegal, etc." And you just had those kind of stock re- social media replies of, oh, well, you must be fun at parties or stop being a party pooper, all this kind of stuff. So there were always going to be people entering the pitch. And sadly, with that, we've had idiots go on there as well who've, spoiled it for everybody else and we're talking about that instead of actually reflecting on forest creating a bit of history and producing a memorable night's football
0: i think one of the other things so city ground pigeon on twitter was making a point this it's narcissism it's it's the same as people who who drive after they've had a drink or taken drugs which is it's you know, it's always fine until something goes wrong, isn't it? And and that's exactly what happened. Now, even then, I've seen plenty on Twitter from people saying I went on the pitch and I didn't do anything wrong. It was just that one idiot. But none of that would have happened. The, the Sharp thing wouldn't have happened, the McBurney thing, whatever it is, and we don't know what it is yet. The McBurney thing wouldn't have happened. It's putting the safety of players at risk. And also I was making the point that if you look at the highlights of the Luton Huddersfield match, you could see the match officials were legging it off the pitch before they blew the final whistle because they knew that a pitch invasion was going to happen, and they knew that that puts people's safety in
3: jeopardy. Baz, what do you think? It's narcissism, isn't it? It is, but I think that the, the point that Stephen made was what's happening now is different, and it's, it's there's there's a level of aggression and stuff that involved in it that wasn't the case a few years ago. Um, it might be that it's it's like, I don't know, like the 70s and 80s kind of thing coming back. I don't know what it is, but what's happening now, what's happened over the last two or three weeks across several games, what happened at the Euros, at Wembley, that is different to what's been happening over the last 10, 15 years. And I think that's the, the problem more than just the pitch. The pitch invasion... Allows it to happen. Yeah. And get rid of the pitch invasion and it won't happen. It'll just move somewhere else. But it is a wider, as Stephen said, there is a wider thing going on here. So you hear about retail workers and everyone else complaining about, about being abused in in, in the streets and stuff like that. So something's happening and it's making us look bad, but it's not down to the pitch invasion. That's making us look bad. It's the thing that's happening. That's making us look bad. So.
0: We'll have to leave that episode of The Moral Maze there for now because we've got plenty more to talk about. So thank you, everyone, so far. Um, Listener, in just a second, we'll be back, and we'll be looking forward to our big day out at Wembley.
2: You're listening to
4: 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast.
2: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. report Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Hello there and welcome back to 1865. We're delighted to be joined by a friend of the podcast, Brady Frost, from the Huddersfield Fan Podcast, and he takes that chance. Now, welcome to 1865 once again, Brady, and congratulations on reaching the playoff final. Um, my first question to you is really, as a Huddersfield fan, how has this season matched up to your expectations?
6: Hi guys, thanks for having me on, and yeah, congratulations to you guys too. Um, you know, an amazing achievement to to reach the playoff final. Has the season um, lived up to my expectations? Not in the slightest. Um, it's been you know far far better than I could have possibly imagined. You know, given last season, we didn't. I think we only won three games in twenty four in the league. In the end, you know, finished twentieth. Um, I was expecting for something similar because I just didn't think we had the. The quality and the players to kind of um play the style of Carlos Corband wants. And and to be honest, I, I think we talk about it we don't talk about it enough in football but, but whether a place is the right fit. And I just got the impression that maybe Huddersfield wasn't the right fit with Carlos Corbran. But um well hey, what do I know? <laughs> you know, third in the league, um, you know, in the playoff playoff final. It's fun, it's been a fantastic season, um, you know, and one I think Um, Town fans have, you know, really enjoyed. I think it's, again, because obviously uh, we were in the playoff final in 2017 and that was considered like one of the great teams. Um, It's strange because, you know, this team has finished on more points than they did under that, uh, under David Wagner's season. Um, You know, I I would argue this squad is better, you know, in terms of, um, a lot harder to beat. Whereas under Fagno we you know we could lose again four nil, but then you know win a big game. So yeah, it's been fantastic. And um, you know I think full credit to Carlos Corberan for you know getting his methods across, tweaking his tactics. I think that's been a big part. You know we're hard to beat. You know the transfers have been fantastic. You haven't paid a single fee for for a transfer, all free transfers or loan deals. So it's been an amazing season, an incredible you know, budget really. And the fact that we only finished six points off Bournemouth with a wage bill they have, I think is, is testament to the, to the recruitment team, the squad and, and the manager.
0: Mm, yeah, so you mentioned Carlos Corbran a few times there about whether he was going to be the right fit and the doubts that you had. Um, he started really well as your gaffer last season in his first season, and then things dropped off really dramatically. So how much do you think his management style and his tactical acumen have evolved this season?
6: Yeah, Corbyn started really well last season. I think it was, again, like, you know, new manager, new system. It was very different to Danny Cowley. Um, I think some people have been a bit revisionist about Danny Cowley's style of football, you know, but ultimately when he took over, um, you know, no team had stayed up in the um, in the position we were in and he, he, did, he achieved that job and, yeah, Carlos came in um, and then things kind of dropped off. I think, you know, this playing squad wasn't great. Um, you know, there was a players who didn't want to be there. Um, you know players who just weren't good enough and um, to be honest we've got a lot of injuries and Carlos had to um, you know had to chuck in some of the youngsters and some fared better than others you know others others suffered and I think what's really changed this season is they've they've adapted I think you know when it came in obviously being the Leeds under 23 managers and working with Marcelo Bielsa I think a lot of people were making comparisons to Marcelo Bielsa but I, I think Carlos, what has really impressed me, is his ability to adapt, you know, um, you'll hear when other managers speak in their pre-match press conferences they're after, it's very difficult to work out what formation Corbyn plays. Um, you know, we we have our formations that we like, but he'll obviously, obviously tweak things a lot, um, you know, during matches, um, you know, and it's just been impressive to see. I think the big thing this season um, is we're a really hard team to beat. You know, we conceded the most goals in the division last season, um, you know more than Wickham and all the other teams that got relegated, and we're just we're hard to break down. You know I think people referred to it <laughs> as a bit boring, but again, like you know that was our problem and they fixed it in no end. So yeah, I, I just think we're a tough team to beat, and I think he's adapted and you know like all good all good managers do. You know looks at the tools he's got, and you know he's making you know great use out of them. And yeah, long may it continue. Um, yeah, just been really impressive.
0: Mm. So let's move on to talking about the head-to-head between Forrest and Huddersfield. So Forrest and the Terriers have beaten each other this season. Well, I'm still not quite sure how we didn't score against you in the league match at the City ground. Um, what do you think about the Reds' foreman and how they looked in the run-up at the end of the season?
6: Yeah, I think that game you're talking about, that was a bit, um, you know, obviously you guys are a great attacking side. And I think we just, um, again, as I touched on in an early answer, we were quite good at, you know, again, you could argue maybe it's lucky in that game, but we've had quite a few of those games where we, you know, managed to ride it out and, and get a victory maybe against the run of play. So, you know, maybe there's something in that. Um, I, I think, you know, Forest fin- finished the season strong. Um, I was interested to see, you know, given he kind of had a, a shootout for automatics with Bournemouth and obviously you know, for Forest fans came out on the wrong end of that I was really interested to see how you would pick yourselves up you know obviously the draw against um, Hull on the, the final of the season you know you can argue but I think we've seen um, you know that you can get over the line you know the first leg against Sheffield United you blew them away I don't know how you didn't win that game by more than two you know two goals uh, and then yeah the the return like I think um, Sheffield United were impressive look I think Steve Cooper done an amazing job um, you're certainly. I think we're the two, probably the two most informed teams, you know, in the league. So it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, yeah, I, I, Forest were the. To be honest, Forest were the team I was. I was wary about, you know, out of all the playoff teams, just because you have got a good side, you know. I, I think I would argue, given the players you've had, um, you know, you maybe have been finishing in false positions before, and we know how bad it was working with you and, Um So yeah, you, I think this is the two most informed teams you know, in the league Um and it's carried on now but yeah, they're going into the, a straight shootout for the player final so I, I think for the neutral could be a really good game um, but I'll be a bag of nerves and I'm sure you guys will too. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um... I think the playoff, uh, when you get classic playoff matches, it's always a case that it's great for everyone except the fans who are actually involved. And uh, the Sheffield United match, uh, especially the second leg, I think is probably testament to that for us. Now, we've talked about that idea, you know, you mentioned the whole match. Forest have finished the season with quite a few players who are playing on one leg. We're carrying a lot of niggly injuries. How's your squad
6: looking? Yeah, our squad's looking looking okay, really. Um, So it looks like we'll miss Matty Pearson. Um, He's been injured. He's been out for, I think, four or five weeks now. Um, Didn't play any of the semi-final matches. You know, there was talk about him coming back, but I I doubt we'd stick him straight in, uh, even though he's a big character and has been really good this season. Um, Sauber Thomas, I think he was kind of the key one. Um, You know, he came on for the last half an hour Against Luton and you know provided the assist and has been so important to us this season in terms of set pieces. So um, yeah, he should be he should be fit for the final. Be interesting to see if he starts or if it is another sub appearance. Um, Daniel Ward, who's been our top scorer this season, had a really good in se- season and really impressed a lot of town fans. Uh, not just through his goals, but his uh, work off the ball and you know the press and the energy he brings to the team. Uh, he went down injured uh, in the first half of the semi-final second leg. Uh, we've not really heard much about that so you know fingers crossed I think that would be the main main concern but it could mean that Jordan Rhodes um, who obviously got the winner against Luton and um, you know in the second leg could start so yeah the, t- the team's looking okay a couple of injuries as you kind of expect it at this point but I think um, you know what's been really successful to the team is the is the fitness of the side you know and we can keep going and going long games and yeah, I, um, I think that's boded really well for us. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed.
0: Mm. And you've talked about a lot of outfield players there. Let's talk about the goalkeepers. These two teams have got the two best keepers in the league, statistically speaking, if nothing else. Um, do you think that they're going to be busy on the day?
6: Yeah, Samba and Nichols um, have been fantastic. You know, I think them, along with Mark Travers, have, you know, been the best free keepers in the league. You know, Nichols' um, team of the season. It's been absolutely incredible, um, you know, to get him on a free from MK Dons. You know, people were saying he was a second choice. It was actually because of a contract dispute why he wasn't playing. But he's been fantastic, and the signing of the season, you know, free transfer makes team of the season. Um, yeah, he he, is, he can be a busy boy, especially in these big games. Um, I think he will be busy, you know, at Wembley. Uh, I think Samba will as well. Um, it could be an interesting game, you know you guys are quite ferocious in attack and I feel like you come in waves and like try and blow teams out of the water. And I think if we're going to get any joy on the day, Nichols will be heavily involved. And, you know, I don't think it's just his saves. Um, What's really impressed me this season is his calmness. You know, he calms the defence. He takes the sting out of attacks. Um, And as you guys have probably seen, he loves to time waste. So uh, I'd expect to see some of that, especially if you guys are on top. Um, Yeah, Samba as well, you know, I was his penalty shootout heroics for you guys were um, were amazing, and uh, I've already seen Huddersfield Town be uh, victorious in penalty shootouts at Wembley. Um, I really hope it doesn't go to the penalties, uh, you know, in the final because I, I don't think my uh, my heart could take it. Um but yeah, Sam Samba's been great as well, you know. Um he can be I think you could say he could be a bit bit erratic, um, but I, I think he's been fantastic this season, you know. Um, so yeah, I think they'll both be busy. Um like I say, I think it'll be a good game for the neutral. Um but yeah, I'm sure both sets of fans will be a, be a nervous wreck on the, when the game kicks off. So yeah, best of luck to, to you guys as well. Obviously um may the best team win and let's hope it's a it's a good game.
0: Thank you very much, Brady. As you said, may the best team win. So we're joined by Stephen Topless, by the Marriage on the Midlands, by Baz and by Tom Newton, who's joined us for part two. Um, Tom, just very briefly, I started today's podcast by asking our panel if they're feeling confident about the big day out. Um, how are you feeling?
7: Um, I'm I'm not too bad at the moment. I think we, if we can play like we did in the first half, in the first uh, leg against Sheffield United, then I think we will win. But if we play like we did in the second half on Tuesday night, uh, I think we might make things difficult for ourselves. But like uh, Brady says from the Huddersfield podcast, may the best team win. You very kindly provided a combined Forest versus Huddersfield
0: 11 and I'm going to read that out now the uh, the others in this group haven't uh, have actually seen or heard this yet so I'm going to be very interested in their opinions so your combined 11 was samba in goal uh, we've got spence cook mckenna colwell and harry tuffalo at the back then we've got Lewis O'Brien, Jimmy Garner, and Sorba Thomas in midfield, with Johnson and Davis up front. So, thank you very much for providing that, Tom. Um, Baz, I'm going to ask you what you think of that team. I um,
3: was pretty good, in it <laughs> for a Championship side. Better than Bournemouth. Uh, <laughs> um, well, actually, that that'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Or uh, that that tight side against Fulham, maybe. That'd be an an interesting game to watch. Forrest can
0: already beat Fulham. That's not a problem.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but then, yeah, well, yes. Um, You can't really complain at that, can you? Uh, More more us than them, though.
0: Mm, Okay, Stephen, I'm going to put to you something that I put to Tom earlier, which um, is, I think Huddersfield fans would be frothing at the mouth about Samba being picked ahead of Lee Nichols. Now, as I mentioned in the interview with Brady... They are statistically pretty much neck and neck in terms of their championship records this season. But um, before I come to you, Stephen, Tom, what was
7: it that you said in response to to that? Samba's a prick, but he's our prick.
0: Yeah, we've heard that before, haven't we? What do you think, Stephen?
7: (laughs) (laughs) I
5: think the other night tips it in Samba's favour. You know, the way that he, the big saves he made and the way he took control of that penalty shootout. Um if it goes to penalties, I'd fancy Samba over Nichols, in all honesty. So um
0: both excellent keepers, but yeah, Samba edges it for me. Okay. Maradon the Midlands, do you think the big match is going to end up being a tailor two keepers?
4: No idea, but um uh, I-, I hope no. I hope it's more more to do with exciting attacking football and uh probably scoring about four or five goals, but um it's, yeah, they're very evenly matched teams. The record sort of across the season shows that. So it it, it might be it might just come down to one wondrous save um, at the end of the game that sort of tips it one way or the other. But time will tell, as they say.
0: Mm. And and what do you think, Tom? I think um, it's you've alluded to a few things, but what I also mentioned to Brady in the interview was that. You know, Forrest won away and then Huddersfield came to the city ground and they won. And that's a match where Forrest absolutely threw the kitchen sink at Huddersfield for about 75 minutes. And Lee Nichols was the difference between Forrest getting what would have been probably a 3-1 victory and actually missing out on on any points altogether.
7: Yeah, we we pretty much matched them over the season. You know, like if when you play, because we played them in the cup and I think for like, for the first quarter they were all right, then we just like took control of the game, and a similar thing happened just after Christmas when we had all the chances and just ultimately couldn't put it in the uh, back of the net on the night then and I think um the game at their place what September when Steve cooper was near enough announced his manager, I think the shackles were like took off the players then and they played with a bit of freedom and it gave us like a an outlook of what things may be like under Steve Cooper, because he, if you remember, the formation completely changed. And that probably, I think it was it's for shooting at the bullet the, in the midweek of that game or whatever a few it was days before. Conference. Yeah. Yeah. So they probably like thinking Foz is going to play like this. And it's completely changed with a different mindset. So, but as you can see over the season, we've, we've pretty much matched them, um, to be honest. And it was just that eight game, well, seven or eight game. Gave everybody at the start of the season why they probably finished above us, and mm. uh, but if we had Steve Cooper for that whole season, I think we would have been going up automatically anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean
0: Brady and I had had a little chat um, earlier in the season, and and he basically said, you know what, you, you did a number on us in that match because Stephen Reid took over, the tactics changed. There, I have heard a rumor that that basically, even though he wasn't installed yet, it was basically Steve Cooper who chose shows the formation and the tactics that Stephen Reed employed. Um, Baz, I mean, the thing that's really, in many ways, very mouthwatering, in the playoffs, the teams aren't necessarily evenly matched because they are the teams who finished three to six in the division. In this one, we've got the teams who finished third and fourth in the division and were almost certainly, I've not checked the stats, but were pretty much the two form teams in that last third of the season. It should be a mouthwatering prospect, shouldn't it?
3: It should be. And it's um, especially the, the way both teams play. And I, I, the, what <laughs> I remember the, the, the Huddersfield game where they did, basically did a smash and grab on us. Um, and it's one of those, it's quite worrying considering we were just saying a few minutes ago about the Sheffield United first leg where we should have buried it and taken it completely out of their reach. Um, that's exactly what happened with Huddersfield when they played us. So... It depends. It's down to us basically to to take control of this game, which is a really nice position to be in. We're we're not going in there scared of them. We're we're saying actually we 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 could do this, and we we've got the better of them. Mm. And Maradon the Midlands. When Forest
0: have lost, with the exception of that Boxing Day match against Middlesbrough, followed by Huddersfield, and of course that's when Forest were beset by COVID and they had half a squad. But apart from that, under Steve Cooper, when Forest have lost, they've always come roaring back in the next match. Does that give you a bit of confidence?
4: Yeah, not necessarily for that reason. So I don't think it would have felt like a defeat on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, uh, and I think they're just going to be so excited about playing at Wembley. And that the w- the word of the season's been belief, hasn't it? Uh, and they're just going to be full of self belief. And they, I don't think they'll have any doubt that they'll they can go out on that pitch and play to their strengths and play to their maximum ability and win the game. I think that the way they are this season, they losing didn't come into it, into their thoughts. So, um, yeah, I think they'll be full of confidence and raring to go.
0: Yeah. And Stephen, um, Baz and I talked briefly in the match report. We just heard a little snippet of Ryan Yates and and he'd gone from talking like a fan, like he usually does, but you could just hear those, there was a real edge in what what he said and the way he said it in terms of like he switched switched over into professional footballer modes. Like, yeah, this was a really tough match, but we you know we knew we could do it even if it took penalties to get there. Again, it comes back to what Marriage on the Midlands was just saying, doesn't it? Um, the, the 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 belief and the confidence in this group, even when they have setbacks where they just come back and they get get up on their feet. And and also, there's not been a single match where they've played badly for 90 or, in this case, 120 minutes. They've always had periods in the game where they look threatening and they could get something. There's a determination about this squad. There's a, almost
5: a constant striving to, to be better. And I think that comes from Steve Cooper. In his mind, when you listen to interviews and the way he speaks whether that's previewing games or immediately after a game's finished. It's almost like the job's never done. We're straight away looking at the next challenge and what lies ahead for us. And it's a, it's a mentality which has really carried us through this season and and has been behind our resurgence, the way that we've flown up the table and, and come through these tough games. Every time we've had a test, we've more than often than not have come through it. And that fills me with, A lot of confidence going into next weekend. Also adding the fact that we've got 11, 12 days break in between. So plenty of time to get players rested. There won't be, I don't think, any concerns about fatigue or tiredness creeping in. Another element on Tuesday night against Sheffield United, I think the quick turnaround between the two games will have contributed to us falling off as we did in that second half. So. The rest in the players' legs, the determination that this squad has to, to constantly improve and and never settle for a job being done. All these qualities, I think, will stand us in good stead for when we play against Huddersfield at Wembley in a final. And we've just got to look forward to it and hope that it all comes together for us.
3: Yeah, and, and Baz, do you want to jump in? Um, I think the attitude of this side this team, this squad is best explained by the post-match interview after the Liverpool FA Cup game, where the interviewer said to Steve Cooper, well, you played amazingly well there. And the first thing Steve Cooper said was, yeah, but we lost. Mm -hmm. that, That explains it. They've got a job to do. And the fact that we won through on penalties, that that's nice, but it's not, we've not finished the job yet.
0: And, uh, on the Midlands, I'm just going to... Uh, Stephen had mentioned the word mentality, and, of course, that was that was Sabri Lamouchi's favourite word. And from things that Lolly and Yates in particular have said in the last couple of weeks, it does sound as though the squad, the players who were there then and are still there now, they're basically saying, you know what? Actually, with hindsight, back then we were totally winging it and now there's something different going on. It feels like that, even for us fans, doesn't it? Yeah,
6: I mean,
4: to hark heart back to an. Uh... Even older manager, um, Sean O'Driscoll would process. I think the, the that's that's shines through in, it, in everything Steve Cooper's done. It's they they follow a process and it and it's I think because it's been proven out on the pitch, the players believe in it a hundred percent now. If they had a few dodgy results at the beginning, there's the doubts creeping and they Oh, what's this nonsense? So, you know, well, I don't believe in this. So just, you have to give it a hundred percent and all the old cliches, you just run hard and all that. Well, the process they follow a the process and it's clear to see during the course of the season, and that's that's really that's really made the big difference this season. But it's the same yeah. players who've been bang average for, for years at Forest, some of them, um, and they've been managed, managed to sort of lift their performance levels and um perform on a consistent level.
0: Yeah, um, I should mention that, uh, for the listeners' benefit, every time someone mentions Sean O'Driscoll, Baz starts crying, so um. Tom, yeah, it's it's really remarkable, isn't it, how not only has Steve Cooper got raised that level, but also the other thing I just want to very briefly reflect upon is every single interview that Steve Cooper has given since he's become the manager of Nottingham Forest Football Club has been A, searingly honest, and B, has struck exactly the right time. He's never said anything wrong, has he? And you contrast that to the last manager who got us to the playoffs Billy Davis, where he never said anything
7: right. <laughs> yeah. And another thing is, is everything he says, we we believe in it. And you can see that even if during the game on Tuesday, the fans dragged that that team to extra time and penalties, even when they scored their second goal, everybody was up on the feet. And I've never seen that with a Forest fans. We're no, we're a very fickle bunch, um, but this is all down to Steve Cooper's mentality and belief. And he, we get him, he gets the club and everything. And it's the first time everything's just linked in in about 20-odd years' worth of uh, and more supporting this uh, football club of ours. Mm. And, and Stephen,
0: again, just very briefly, if you will, it's true, isn't it? Um, the city. I've never heard the city ground be so noisy for the full duration of the match. There's that little period in extra time where there's just a bit of a lull. And I think, to be honest... As and I said the other night because everyone was knackered. The players were knackered, the managers were knackered, the fans were knackered, and it just calmed down. But then Yatesy also said hundred and seventeen minutes, like the fans turned up the volume, and we thought we can do this, we can do this. And I have to say, although playoffs were is a lottery, I was as confident as I've ever been because of us being there, of the occasion, of the mentality of the players, that we could do it.
5: It does feel different this season it really does with previous playoff campaigns and there was a little bit of a worry that this would creep back in on Tuesday night when Sheffield United got their goals that we could see it all happening again another collapse and another season ends in in dramatic fashion but not in the right way for us the mentality's so different everybody's bought into it the players the fans the manager gets the club it seems like the, the harmony is there between the manager and the board, Dane Murphy, and everything is working and linking together well. And it just manifested itself on Tuesday night with that belief from the fans and everybody. Even when the team were down and struggling, the fans got behind them in a way I've I've rarely seen at Forest. The 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 special moment was when the chant Forrester Magic on and off the pitch started and it just kept going and getting more and more. Vocal, and that was a really special moment.
0: Okay, Baz, last word to you.
3: Well, um, remember when we did the series of magic moments? Mm -hmm. And I think mine was the Norwich away game where Forest fans just chanted constantly throughout the entire second half, and then Steve Stone bundles in a goal at like 85 minutes or something and goes on the radio the next day saying it was the fans that kept us going. That's what tuesday night felt like but it wasn't an away game it was a home game and that's the first time i've heard it at a home game and it was brilliant okay
0: and just for the record um as you may or may not be able to hear i've been drinking honey and lemon for four days since since tuesday night because my throat still hasn't recovered that's how much we were making noise and how consistently we were making noise but now is the time for the noise to end uh, there is Obviously, are going to be a big build-up and big anticipation for the big match on Sunday, the 29th of May. If you've got a ticket, we'll see you there. If not, cheer us on from home. Make Nottingham the noisiest place in the country. And also, congratulations, because Notts are taking over London. Um, Mansfield Town will be there the night before us. And good luck to Notts County with their playoffs to try and get to the London Stadium. I want to say a big thank you to tonight's panel. Baz, Stephen Topless, The Marriage on the Midlands and Tom Newton. I want to say thank you to Hal from the Sheffield United Way and Brady from And He Takes That Chance and also thank you to producer Winston and most of all thank you listener this is our 75th podcast of the season. It's been an absolutely crazy season. We will be back after the final to reflect upon it whether we win or lose but thank you so much for joining us throughout the season.
3: Yeah, um, because we didn't take those chances in the first leg.
2: Sports
4: Social Podcast Network.